When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until four, so. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Welcome into Fantasy Pros. This is the Fantasy Football Podcast. Tara Roberts here along with Pat Fitzmorris and Scott Bodman. And today is our ranking show. We'll be going through the Fantasy Pros tiers for week seven. Pat and Scott will be providing their thoughts on the players in each tier. And this is a fantastic pair that we've got here to go through the rankings with you. Scott has been a Fantasy Pros ranker for a while now and is literally an ace at IDP ranking. Fitz was the most accurate in-season weekly ranker in 2020 and has been consistently among the most accurate rankers in fantasy football. You can find Scott at Bogman Sports. You can find Pat at Fitz underscore FF. And you can find me at It's Terra Time. So buckle in. We're going to go ahead and jump right in here because we have a ton to cover. And this is definitely going to help you through this crazy week with injuries and bye weeks. It's insane. But before we get started, don't forget to turn on notifications and subscribe to Fantasy Bros. Running backs. Now, the top 20 players, we'll kind of talk over this a little bit here. Our consensus rankings and tiers can be found at fantasypros.com slash rankings. These are our A plus through B players. Uh, I'm going to toss it to you here for a second, Pat, and you know, get your thoughts on who really stands out here in this top 20 of the players. Um, maybe it's Ramondre Stevenson, Tara, that he is still in the top 20 when I know a lot of people have been losing faith in him, but, um, a six team bye week will do that to you. And, um, you know, a lot of people are going to be forced to keep going back to the well with Ramondre, maybe to a lesser extent, Brian Robinson too, who's just like out of barely out of RB one range, despite really the, the commander's running game having dried up in the last three weeks or so, they're just like not running the ball effectively as a team at all. But um, yeah, that's the interesting thing, Tara, these rankings uh, in a six team bye week. It's, it feels like we're really playing the game of fantasy football this week. You know, the first couple of weeks with no one on bye, you're basically setting your lineup more or less according to your rankings. Maybe you're shuffling a couple people around based on injuries or um, early season usage surprises. But with six teams on by, everyone is in scramble mode. I know I started setting my uh, waiver claims on Tuesday at about eight in the morning because I knew there was going to be a lot to <laughs> yeah, do. I did yeah. not want to put it off until uh, eight or nine at night. He actually just finished five minutes ago. So <laughs> <laughs> I maybe haven't finished yet. Crazy. Um, Scott, <laughs> what stands out here in the top 20 for you? Yeah, I think Fitz is right. I think, you know, this week it's by apocalypse. We've had a lot of injuries at the running back position, too. So it's just like seeing some stranger names at the top, like seeing Kenneth Walker as the number one running back is a little jarring when you first look at this list. But when you see who's on bye week and a couple bad matchups, you know, I, I think that's it. I, there are a couple guys I like. I, I think I'd put Eckler ahead of Walker. He had 18 touches in his first game back. I know Kansas City's defense is way better than Arizona's, but I also think against the Arizona defense and a team that looks like maybe it has turned into the pumpkin we thought it was going to be at the beginning of the season. I think maybe we see Zach Charbonnet a lot for Seattle this week as well. So um, I kind of like Austin Eckler just a little bit ahead of him, but I do have Walker at two. Um, DeAndre Swift, I think, should have a really 
big workload this week because if you're the Eagles, I think your game script strategy is to be keep the ball away from Miami. And how do you do that? You run the ball as much as you possibly can. The Dolphins defense has not been what I thought it was going to be this year quite yet. So those are the two guys that really stick out to me. But like Pat said, it looks weird. Six teams on bye weeks, a lot of injuries. Seeing Brian Robinson rank so high, seeing, you know, I moved my boy Pacheco up there and then guys that are questionable even. I have like McCaffrey in my top 12 still because there's maybe a possibility slightly that he might play. Uh, I think I got to leave him up there until we know he's done. So, yeah, it's it's a weird week for rankings and um, a lot of guys that you don't you don't usually rank as high getting bumped up feels weird. Yeah, it definitely does. Some of very uncomfortable guys here who we are having to rely on with the bye weeks and the injuries. It is absolutely insane. I mean, we're going to get into that as we start to go into these other tiers down here. And again, for in-depth analysis on any of these players, go to fantasypros.com slash rankings. And for updated rankings, use our My Playbook app. All right, we'll jump into the B minus tier here. It is a tiny tier, but we're going to talk about it here. We've got Alexander Madison and Zach Moss. Um, I don't know if we would have thought these two tiers, these two guys would be paired into a tier heading into the season, but here we are. Zach Moss. ECR has him ranked 22. Pat, you've got him at RB26. Scott, you've got him at RB32. We're going to talk it out here because that is, you know, considerably lower than ECR. I want to know the hesitation here. Uh, Scott, I'll start off with you. Uh, RB32, is this more an indictment on Zach Moss or is this more around positivity of increased workload for Jonathan Taylor? I think it's both those things. Probably more workload increase for Jonathan Taylor, I think, when you you know, pay a guy that much money, it says we're going to use this guy a lot. And I think they're kind of babying him coming back. And I understand that you did just give him a lot of money. Um, but it's also the Cleveland defense. The Cleveland defense is fourth against the run. They just shut down San Francisco on offense. Um, we're on a backup quarterback in Gardner Minshew, which I know Minshew mania and people like him. I'm not a, the biggest Gardner Minshew fan. I think he's fine as a backup but you don't want to mess a starter and he's now a starter. So it's um, the Colts offensive situation is not fantastic and going against Cleveland is not good. And the trend has been move Zach Moss back. He still had, I think one more touch than JT last week. I just don't think that that's going to last. So it's a combination of all these three things, but I think the biggest factor to me is the Cleveland defense. I think Cleveland defense showed us against San Francisco they came, they're coming to play and they're going to try to win this team game, especially when Watson is down and not playing. So that's my biggest factor here. It is amazing the progress that Cleveland defense has made. Pat, is it about the defense for you, Jonathan Taylor? What are your thoughts here around Zach Moss? Part of it is about the Cleveland defense, although I do feel a little bit better about the uh, Colts running game now because that was an offensive line that disappointed us a year ago. But right now, the Colts are ranked sixth in running game DVOA and the Colts offensive line as disappointing as it was last year. It has rebounded the uh, they are ranked fifth highest in run blocking grade by PFF right now. So um, I, I do think we're going to see the pendulum continue to swing toward Jonathan Taylor uh, that first week, mostly Moss, a little bit of Taylor last week, closer to 50 50 this week. Maybe it goes 60 40 Taylor. But, um, yeah, it's a tough matchup, I do think, and, and Bogman mentioned this, um, Gardner Minshew 
not really special. Wouldn't surprise me at all if the Colts tried to protect him a little bit by running the ball a lot. So I think there's going to be work for both Taylor and Moss this week. I think you hit on exactly what I was going to kind of ask you about on this. You know, men are this matchup being a very difficult one. I think we can all wrap our heads around the difficulty of any running back being able to get room against that strong Cleveland defense. Um, thinking about for fantasy managers moving forward a little bit, um, do you think that with Gardner Minshew at quarterback, there will be enough volume for Zach Moss to, even if he's losing touches to Jonathan Taylor, which is going to happen, but enough volume for him to remain relevant as a flex option moving forward? Yeah, hopefully. And the interesting thing, Tara, is that um, I don't think we've ever viewed Zach Moss as a pass catcher, but he's actually got some usage in the passing game so far. His previous high, 23 receptions in any season, he's up to 14 already. And last week uh, in week six, six catches for 38 yards on seven targets. So if he is maybe designated as their passing down back as one way of kind of cutting down on Taylor's workload and Really, like Taylor's never played on passing downs, even at Wisconsin, where they were running that guy into the ground. Um, it was Daria Gumbawale playing the passing downs in, in the 11 passing downs the Wisconsin offense yeah, had exactly. for running backs. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Third, third and five isn't even a passing down for uh, the Wisconsin Badgers, or wasn't back in the day. So, yeah, I mean, maybe that's where Moss maintains fantasy relevance as a, a third down back. A lot of check downs last week. Yeah, I mean, JT had a, a lot, too, so that was uh, a little interesting. I, I feel like it's, for Zach Moss, I think it would be smart for him to have a decent workload with JT because you have Richardson down now, too. Like, you're not going to, you're probably not going to make a lot of progress this season without your new quarterback. So, you know, I think it would be smart to kind of split this workload, but I also know what the money they just gave to JT says. And to me, it says... They're going to run him as much as possible. So I'm not I'm not holding out too much hope for Zach Moss. I'm not dropping him until the workload evaporates. But I do think it will at some point this season. Makes complete sense. Uh, before we go on to the C plus tier, the NFL season is going strong and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking new customers up with an offer that is even stronger. Bet five bucks on any game this week and score $200 Instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweeter offer every game day this October. You can look at any one of these players that we're talking about. Maybe Zach Moss, you're feeling a little bit more positively about him and you want to look at the props around him. Get in on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code FANTASYPROS. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet five on the NFL. That's code FANTASYPROS only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. All right, moving on to our C plus tier. We're going to talk, um, we're going to pull out a couple of players here because this is a very interesting tier here. We've got Kareem Hunt, a little waiver wire ad, darling-ish for some people this week, uh, coming off of that strong game. We've got Jalen Warren here as well. We've got Julio McLaughlin and then Gus Edwards here. Let's talk about, we're going to pull out uh, Jalen Warren here first and talk about him. ECR has him at RB24. 
Pat and Scott, you were on opposite ends of how you feel about him. Not super far off, but I mean, it's a difference between you guys. So I want to hear you uh, talk it out. The pros and cons here. Pat, you've got him at RB27. Scott's got him at RB21. Pat, um, a little lower on Jalen Warren this week. Yeah, so... um I mean, I can't wait to hear what Bogman, the Steelers fan, has to say about this backfield. But I do have Warren ranked one spot ahead of Najee Harris this week, mainly because he's more active as a pass catcher and because I think he gives you um, a little more potential for an explosive play, which is kind of funny that uh, like Najee Harris is actually technically doing pretty well in explosive run rate, but only because he's had, I don't know, maybe three or four carries or like 14 or 15 yards or something. Um, we know Najee is pretty unlikely to house one from 40 or 50 yards and Warren conceivably could. But when we last saw the Steelers in week five before their bye, Najee outsnapped Warren 37 to 32 and out touched him 15 to 12. I don't know. Maybe there's a dramatic shift towards Warren coming out of the Steelers bye, but until we see it, I'm kind of disinclined to believe it. Scott, how about you? You were on the uh, on the positive side with Jalen Warren. You feeling it a little bit more this week? I mean, a little. I don't <laughs> feel like I'm high on Jalen Warren. I feel like, like we said before, this week is bad with a lot of buys and injured running backs. But I will say this, you know, I'm a big Najee fan. I thought Najee was going to be the guy this year. Pat knows that we talked a lot about him in the offseason on the Dynasty pod. And it just hasn't been that way. And also the Steelers offense has not been putting him in a uh, area to succeed. They m give plays to Jalen Warren in space. They don't for Najee. Najee's running up the back of the offensive lineman too many times this season. So I think coming out of the bye, if you are serious about making changes to the offense, like the Steelers have said they are, then I think you have to give the ball to the hotter hand, and Jalen is the hotter hand right now. So I think coming out of the bye, we may see that shift slightly towards Jalen. It just depends on where the ball is, and I don't think it's going to be in the red zone or near the goal line a lot because I've watched the Steelers' offense all year, so I do think Jalen is the guy. I think Najee's more likely to score, but I think the most likely scenario is neither score. So. It's interesting. I think, you know, Pat hit on the touches. You hit on the usage in terms of how they're utilizing Warren in open space versus Najee. And I love that you mentioned that, really, just because, again, a lot of times we look at Najee and say, okay, his, you know, his stats, uh, you know, he's not effective. And look at Jalen Warren getting all these, you know, fantastic big plays. And you, you make a really good point. They're just used differently. Um, yeah. But from a fantasy perspective, we have to look at that and evaluate how that moves Jalen Warren up further in the ranks if he's got the better opportunities and that's why he's producing. Makes complete sense. Moving on to staying in this tier, um, we're going to move on and talk about Jaleel McLaughlin again. Um, I don't know if it's like handcuff season of handcuff seasons pop or handcuffs popping up and having fantasy relevance here. We've got this crazy bye week, but um, Jaleel McLaughlin is really interesting as well. ECR has got him at RB26. Pat, you've got him at RB29. Scott, you've got him at RB25, sharing the backfield there with uh, Javante Williams. At least he has seemed to overcome Samaje Pirine. So really, how are we looking, um, Pat, how are we looking at Javante Williams versus Jaleel McLaughlin? What, what is the, is there any hesitation here with you? Yeah, you said it, Tara. He's probably leapfrogged Samaje Pirine, McLaughlin has. But um, still, Pirine is probably going to have some sort of role in that offense. And I, I still think it's mainly Javante's backfield. So um, against the chiefs last week, Javante had a team high 10 carries, but no targets. 
McLaughlin had seven carries, two targets. P. Ryan, zero carries, two targets. Um, but P. Ryan was still playing, and I do wonder if P. Ryan might still be the passing down back um, in Denver. So I, I like McLaughlin in the matchup against the Packers and their you know, occasionally squishy run defense. Pretty good one. But McLaughlin, just not the lead back. That's still Javante, and um, he's not clearly the passing down back either. That might be Pirine's role. So while he does have a pretty firm foothold in the Denver offense, uh, the other guys aren't going to go away from McLaughlin. And, um, you know, maybe Pirine goes away eventually, but not yet. Scott, how about you? Yeah, you know, I I think this backfield is messy, and that's why I'm not the biggest fan of anyone here. I know that the Packers run D like uh, Fitz said has been bad, but they are coming off a bye. So they're going to be gassed up. And we saw last week, Jaleel had 40%. It was 35% for Javante and 17% for P Ryan. So no running back is getting over 50% here. I, I just, I don't like how they're doing the situation. Sean Payton is rotating too much. We saw it in new Orleans, but I would like him to find a guy because when he does, it's Alvin Kamara and they get all the touches passing and running that they can handle. But we just haven't seen that out of Denver. So even in a good matchup, I'm a little leery on uh, starting any of these guys. But, you know, by apocalypse, a lot of us have to. Well, even even in the Kamara heyday bogs, we were still getting value out of Mark Ingram. You know, like he's getting touchdowns. Yeah. Traditionally, like the the Peyton, the Sean Payton offense does lead to fantasy viability for more than one back. But I think with Denver not having quite the same, uh, you know, caliber of offense that Peyton had in New Orleans, I think we would at least wish that it would be narrowed down to two guys instead of three. And at what point in this game do they have to go all passing because that defense is so bad? I mean, it is historically (laughs) bad. And Green Bay had an extra week to prep. I don't like their chances this week. You mentioned the defense there. Pat mentioned the Green Bay defense there. We've got two bad run defenses. This is going to be very interesting to watch. Two struggling backfields. Nobody. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody popping out. What was what's going to happen? Cross my finger. I need an Aaron Jones game. Can we cross our fingers for a nice yes. Aaron Jones game here? Let's get it. <laughs> All right. Moving on to our next tier. We're going to go to the C tier here. It's a bigger tier. It's got, we've already talked about Najee Harris here. So you'll see Najee Harris behind Jalen Warren, who we already talked about. Dante Foreman, Tyler Algier, Zach Evans, Keontae Ingram, AJ Dillon, Latavius Murray, and Ezekiel Elliott. We got a lot to cover in this tier. This is a big tier with guys that could kind of teeter and go either way here. Um, we've touched on a couple of these, but Zach Evans is the one that we want to kind of pull out here real quick to talk about here first. RB28, Zach Evans, who got his first carries of the year last year, now RB28 in ECR. Um, you guys are kind of on opposite ends. Not dr- not dramatic, but Pat, you've got him at RB25. Scott, you've got him at RB30. Um, Scott, we'll start off with you, RB30. Um, I mean, <laughs> what kind of faith can we really have in Zach Evans? Yeah, I, it's a tough matchup against the Steelers defense coming off a bye. So that's n- number one. And I just want to see how they use Zach Evans. And Pat and I talked a lot about Evans on the Dynasty show this offseason, and he's kind of getting his shot here, right? Ronnie Rivers goes down for an extended period of time. Kyron's probably missing a little bit of time as well. So here's your shot. And he didn't really get it in college either because he was uh, not great at TCU. He transfers to Ole Miss. 
And he plays well there at the start, but Quinchon Junkins becomes one of the best running backs in the country and they have to use him because he's so good. So, I mean, Zach Evans still had a good year last year, nine touchdowns, 936 yards, six and a half yards per carry, which is a nice average. But I think in your first start, I don't know what your role is going to be. I don't know what the backups are going to look like. I think they might just pass a lot because the Steelers secondary is bad. So you don't want to leave Matt Stafford. You don't want to hang him out to dry. So I do think we're going to get 15 touches from Zach Evans, which is nice. But how many of those go for one yard, two yards? I think we're going to wait for the big explosion or possibly a touchdown from him. Both could happen. So I don't hate playing him, um, but I'm definitely holding my nose while I do it this week. It's, he's not a guy that I really want to start. Yeah, so very much proceed with caution, use if you have to, but we don't truly know what to expect. We've got Royce Freeman that has been promoted. I mean, how long has it been since we've seen any level of relevance from Royce Freeman? We've got when he was Darryl. at Oregon. That's the last time. <laughs> That's that is very good point right there. We got Daryl Henderson as well, who last time we saw him, ironically, was in LA. So um very interesting there. But um, yeah, Pat, Zach Evans, are you are you more inclined to use him this week? He is almost at an RB2 for you. Yeah, maybe the difference with Bogman and I here is just how we regard the Steelers defense. Bogman the Homer thinks it's a tough matchup, but uh the Steelers are they have a lot of the seventh most fantasy points per game to opposing running backs this year. So not that tough a matchup. But I do agree with a lot of what Bogman said about Zach Evans. Like, I, I don't really understand what some of the uh, dynasty community hype was for Zach Evans, a late sixth round pick who couldn't break out of a committee at TCU with Kendra Miller and Amari DiMercato and then uh, got, you know, usurped basically by Quinchon Judkins at Ole Miss after he transferred. So that said... It does appear that Evans is probably going to be first in line here. I, I worry that maybe um, like Royce Freeman could be the passing down back here because uh, for Bogman's joking about Royce never having done anything since Oregon, Royce did have 43 catches for Denver in his second NFL season. So maybe he at least gets the passing down. Was that in 2016, Fitz? When was it his was, second season? I don't 2019. Even remember. 2019. 2019. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it, it was a long time ago, <laughs> granted, but um you know, I, maybe that's the, the concern that this is closer to a 50-50 split than we think. But I, I do think Evans is a pretty good bet for 10 to 12 touches at least. And uh, in a 16-bye week, that does have him flirting with RB2 value as, as scary as that is. Absolutely crazy. We'll talk about one more player here in this tier, uh, AJ Dillon. We talked, this is funny, we talked about homers here. We've got multiple <laughs> Green Bay homers here. We've got the Pittsburgh homer there. And we're sitting here talking about every, so we, did we intentionally pull them out like this? I don't know, maybe. Um, <laughs> AJ Dillon, um, who was, who, hey, finally had his breakout-ish game there against that Raiders defense. We got another bad defensive matchup here. So this one is pretty interesting. And both of you guys are maybe feeling A.J. Dillon a little bit more this week coming off that big performance. ECR has him at RB31. Pat, you've got him at RB24. Scott at RB26. Scott, tell us why we should be buying into A.J. Dillon this week. I mean, I wish I wasn't in on A.J. <laughs> Dillon this week because watching him run, I cannot believe how bad he looks. I watched a lot of A.J. Dillon at Boston College. He was explosive. He was fast. He could run over people. He didn't have, you know, the, he wasn't going to break off a spin move or anything like that, but he was a hulking, fast, 
Derrick Henry style runner, right? No one's Derrick Henry, but Derrick Henry style. But it has not looked like that. It looks like he has lost a step. It looks like he's behind. He did take advantage of a bad Raiders defense. And the Broncos, like we talked about before, are historically bad against the run this season. Uh, They're giving up 172.3 yards on the ground per game. That's the most in the NFL by a wide margin. The Giants are second, giving up almost 30 yards fewer, 25 fewer yards, 147 and a half. So, I mean, this Denver Rundy is just pathetic, which is why let's get Aaron Jones rolling. Let's get A.J. Dillon rolling. And I think that's going to be a big part of uh, the strategy for, for the Packers this week. And that's why I'm a little higher on ECR than uh, most. Pat, how about you? RB24. So he has a low-end RB2. Feeling more positively about him this week. And you hate him, Fitz. We talked about uh, it all offseason. <laughs> I was the defender. And and you don't like him. I know. And I've Tara can attest that I've been bagging on A.J. Dillon on this show <laughs> pretty much since the, the start of the season. Um, but I did think Dillon played really well against the Raiders when we last saw the Packers before their week six bye. I thought he had a really good game against the Raiders in week five with Aaron Jones out. And... I don't think Aaron Jones is getting 20 plus carries in his first game back from the hamstring injury. Sorry, Tara. I know we want the big Aaron Jones game. So do I, but um, I I think it'll be probably something like, you know, 12 to 16 touches for Aaron Jones. And even when Aaron Jones is completely healthy, AJ Dillon is still always involved in the Packers running game. We know that. So yes, I I do think Dillon is going to get some touches this week and he's getting touches against the Denver run defense. Like, that's the main thing. That's why I have him in RB2 range. Because if you get 10 or 12 carries, maybe more, against the Broncos' run defense, you are going to score some fantasy points. Makes complete sense. I mean, against any other team, Scott talked about, you know, just looking different than what we saw out of him previously. Still got the quads, lost the power behind the quads, but against Denver, you can get it back. Uh, We're going to move on to our next tier here. We've got the uh, C-minus tier. You've got... Um, Jameer Gibbs, you've got Justice Hill, Craig Reynolds, Elijah Mitchell, Antonio Gibson. Um, very interesting tier here. Not a ton to pull from. Is there anything here, Pat, that really stands out for you? Gibson, like he is getting shut out of the running game entirely for the commanders. Like he is an interesting case of a guy who gets a lot of snaps and just doesn't get many touches. And, and maybe he's, you know, like, if he was getting a ton of targets, like if he were this, um, you know, 70, 80 catch running back as a, a specialist, that would be great. But man, I just feel like the commanders give him snaps without really ever trusting him to carry the ball. Yes. He's had fumbling problems, but I just, um, man, I, like, I just, I I've got Gibson on a lot of teams. Bogman knows I'm a Gibson <laughs> truther, but like, while I still believe in him, the commanders just don't. And um, like, I couldn't trust him in my lineup this week. Scott, anything that stands out here for you? It's all dirty work for Gibson. You know, it's uh, the blocking downs and run blocking and all that stuff. It's annoying, but yeah, this tier is, I I don't know what to expect from a lot of these guys, because even like Elijah Mitchell, who we want to say is a backup for the Niners and, and, Maybe he still is. Maybe it was just they were babying him coming off the injury last week and gave more carries to Mason. But it's two weeks in a row Mason has been involved. So I'm kind of worried about uh, him usurping, especially at the goal line. Eli Mitchell should CMC not be able to go. It is a good matchup against Minnesota. 
but uh, we're just not sure what's going on there. I like Gibbs too. Gibbs coming off a hamstring injury. Production usually goes down and his wasn't good in the first place. So is it him or Craig Reynolds? These are tough situations to suss out here. I, I, I don't mind starting Gibbs this week on all the buys and all that stuff, but the rest of these guys make me, uh, make me ill. I don't want to start any of them. Yeah. And, and guys, my apologies. We have one more player before I moved on to the C minus tier, one more player to cover in that C tier. And maybe I just kind of moved on because in my mind, maybe I thought that he was just further down in the tiers. Maybe that's my bias and frustration from the Imari Di Mercado situation popping up. But um, Keontae Ingram was also someone who we kind of wanted to pull out here. And that one was interesting coming off. He came off, you know, Amari Di Mercado had a strong game in his absence, but he came off and he split that backfield and kind of led it a little bit. We had contributions from Damian Williams, but he's RB 34 in ECR right here. And Pat and Scott, you guys are on opposite ends of the spectrum here. Pat, you've got him at RB 39. Scott, you've got him at RB 31. And while to some people, this might not make a huge difference here, Again, we are on the crazy bye week. Somebody, not just somebody, many people are looking at their roster saying, okay, I got to consider Keontae Ingram. So Pat, talk talk us out of it. You've got him a little bit lower here. <laughs> Why no Keontae Ingram? So yeah, the Amari DiMercato enthusiasm last week turned out to be pretty misguided, as we saw. But um, so it was Keontae Ingram leading the Cardinals in running back touches last week with 12 uh, Damian Williams had nine, only three for DeMarcado, but DeMarcado still led that backfield in snaps. He played 33 snaps, 28 for Ingram, only 13 for Damian Williams. I know fantasy managers care more about touches than snaps, and maybe DeMarcado is simply going to be an Antonio Gibson who plays a lot of snaps but just doesn't get many touches. Um, but this is a full-blown committee, and I just have no interest in starting a running back in a three-man committee, in a bad offense. Scott, how about you? Feeling a little bit more positively about as much yeah. as positive you can feel? As positive as I can feel about Keontae, for sure. I mean, he is the guy that's going to get the the touches and the handles for the Cardinals. I mean, that's pretty much what they showed us last week. And DeMarcado is a special teams, dirty work type of guy. A couple weeks ago, when everyone else got hurt, he got the work. But with I mean, they brought they literally brought in Damian Williams to get carries and left DeMarcado, you know, uh, just doing all of the stuff that we don't care about for fantasy. So I understand the the snaps are in his favor, but the touches in production are not. So I'll go with Keontae Ingram. It's a bad matchup against Seattle, so I don't necessarily want to start him. But I do think if you're the Cardinals in the way Josh Dobbs is looking right now, you need to run the ball more, uh, even if it's just to eat up a little bit of clock. So um, keep your defense as gassed up as you possibly can for that late push. So I think Ingram gets like 10 to 15 carries this week just because they need to do it. Makes sense. All right, moving on to the remainder of the tiers here. We've got the D plus tier with Jordan Mason, Jeff Wilson, if he plays, and Zach Sherman A. Then the D tier, Jarek McKinnon, Kenneth Gainwell, Amari DiMercato. We just talked about a little bit. Uh, the D minus tier here with Joshua Kelly, Damian Williams, Samanje P. Ryan, Kendra Miller, and Cam Akers. The F tier doesn't exist this week because that's how crazy it is. <laughs> there is no one in the F tier inside the top 50. All right. Um, from these like last tiers here, um, we've got a, a big group of people. Is there anyone that kind of stands out here for you as someone who could 
maybe even potentially, you know, fantasy managers look to in this crazy bye week and injury situation. Um, Pat, I'll start off with you. Oh, man, this is the Hail Mary tier, Tara. And uh, I guess if you're going to throw a Hail Mary, I'd rather do it with a back and a good offense. So maybe someone like Kenneth Gainwell. Boggs mentioned that, um, like, most likely the Eagles are going to try to keep the ball away from the Dolphins. And and that makes sense. Run the ball. Um, So maybe DeAndre Swift is going to need a little help. And, uh, you know, the Eagles do have one of the best offensive lines in football. So maybe maybe we get some uh, value out of Kenneth Gainwell this week. But let's face it, these guys on this tier are all bad percentage plays. Pat, that's music to my ear. I just had to move Kenneth Gainwell into a starting lineup in a deep league. I promise, guys, it's like super deep. There's three starting running backs. I'm not crazy, but I love the analysis there for Pat because it confirms exactly what I had to do. (laughs) Scott, how about you? Anyone that kind of stands out here for you? Not really. I mean, what you want out of these guys is a touchdown, right? Uh, That's because it's going to give you six points. They're probably not going to get a lot of touches for the yards unless they break one. So who's most likely to score in this group? I think Gainwell is a good pick. I think McKinnon, because when he does, he scores them in bunches. We like that. And Jordan Mason has been used by the goal line a lot. And I kind of like Jeff Wilson a little bit just because of how good this offensive line from Miami has looked, but Philly is a tough draw. So most likely to score a touchdown out of this group, I would say is probably McKinnon. So that's probably who I want out of this group, especially if I'm in PPR. I like that take. I do. We talk a lot about what makes winners on the show. And there's one thing all the teams, coaches, and players have in common preparation. Planning is key in everyday life, too. And a great way to be prepared for the unexpected is to join Air Med Care Network, America's largest air ambulance membership network. Air Med Care Network providers operate state-of-the-art helicopters that can respond to critically ill or injured patients who need emergency medical transport. These flights can be very expensive. But as an Air Med Care Network member, you won't see a bill for your flight only when flown by one of their providers. That's right. You'd pay nothing. You can become a member of Air Medicare Network for just $99 per year. And right now, our listeners get up to an $80 MasterCard or Amazon e-gift card when they join and use offer code FANTASYPROS. That's FANTASYPROS with no spaces. Make financial peace of mind part of your game plan. Visit airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash FANTASYPROS. All right, guys, we are going to do a little who would you rather hear. The first one that I'm going to throw out here is Alexander Madison or Rashad White. Pat, we'll start off with you. Who would you rather in this situation? Call this the battle of disrespected workhorses, because both of these guys have gotten a lot of usage so far. Madison averaging 17.2 touches per game or excuse me. Rashad White averaging 17.2 touches a game. Madison, 16.7. Madison is always uh, already up to 100 carries on the season, which is uh, pretty interesting. Like, uh, my wife and I haven't even bought our trick-or-treat candy in Madison <laughs> already. So, uh, like, I don't know. The 49ers seem like the tougher matchup here for Madison than the Falcons for Rashad White, but I'm not sure if that's the case. Um, the 49ers have allowed the 11th fewest fantasy points to running backs. And uh, believe it or not, San Francisco is only 22nd in run defense DVOA, whereas the Falcons have given up the seventh fewest fantasy points per game to running backs. 
ninth in run defense DVOA. So the Falcons have been really hard to run against. Um, I feel a little bit better about Madison in this matchup, but it, it's a close call for sure. Scott, how about you? Alexander Madison or Rashad White? I've got White slightly ahead of Madison, and it's, I actually like Madison more, and I do think Minnesota should run him more, especially with what we saw last week. And the passing offense just looked putrid without Justin Jefferson, right? I mean, uh, Addison wasn't there. I mean, K.J. Osborne has been one of the least explosive wide receivers in the NFL. Uh, zero missed tackles forced before last week. I mean, it just hasn't – it's not the same without J.J. there. And – um, it's a tough matchup. And every time I want them to give the ball more to Madison, they do. And then he fumbles and then they take it right away from him. So it's been a frustrating year to roster Alexander Madison and to know when to start him. I'm not the biggest Rashad white fan. I've said that, uh, many times. So I'm not going to go back and sit here and tell you that I love Rashad white or anything. I don't also don't like this matchup like Pat against Atlanta. I think it's un they're underrated against the run. Um, but, I just don't trust Kevin O'Connell to make the smart decision on offense and give the ball to the running back more. And they're playing the Niners. The Niners are a tough defense anyway. So I'll roll with Rashad White slightly. Uh, although, like I said, I feel queasy starting either one of these guys, but we have to this week. Yeah, if, it, if for me, if San Francisco wasn't coming off of that game last week, I might have leaned towards Madison, but I got a bad feeling that this is going to be a game where they take out every single level of frustration that they have on Minnesota and maybe they just can't find any running room. So I think I lean towards Rashad White as well. The second one here that we want to do is Latavius Murray versus Justice Hill. The battle of backups, theoretically, but maybe not so backups because their coaches keep pushing them for it a little bit. Uh, Scott, we'll start off with you. Latavius Murray or Justice Hill? Uh, I'd like go with, uh, let's go with Murray, Murray, more likely to score a touchdown than justice Hill. In my opinion, um, I do think justice Hill is a better overall back, but he's been fumble prone this year. Um, I just don't like what I've seen for Baltimore's offense as well. So I'm going to go with Murray. I mean, there's Josh Allen's a little banged up too. So yeah, let, let's go with Murray. Pat, how about you? I have no doubt there are people in 14 and 16 team leagues facing this very decision yeah. this week. Um, I, I think it's pretty close to being in the coin flip zone, but um, I, I like Murray a little more easier matchup. Uh, I, you know, we're not going to see Damian Harris this week. So it's kind of a two man split for the bills. And um, you know, like he goes against the Patriots while Justice Hill has a matchup against the Lions who have been really, really good against the run this year. So um, I also just think the Buffalo offense is a little more potent than the Baltimore offense. So I'm going with Murray. You make a really good point there about Damian Harris. So less of a three-ish man to a two-ish man committee there in um, Buffalo. So I, I think that makes sense. I lean that way as well. Wide receivers. Now, this top 30 players here, we've got some stuff to talk about here. Usually we just kind of breeze on through, but this, this list right here, we've got some people that we need to pull out and discuss. I'm going to start off with Jacoby Myers. As someone who has literally asserted himself in fantasy football very, very strongly, coming off that nice little revenge game for him, ECR has him at 
Wide receiver 25, ECR, our rankers are buying in aggressively on him. They are all in on Jacoby Myers. Pat, you're not all in. You have him at wide receiver 37. Scott, you're not so much all in too. Not too far off of ECR, but a little bit lower at wide receiver 39. Pat, you are the lowest. I'm going to start with you on this one. Wide receiver 37. What is not to love about Jacoby Myers? I know it's all gone so well lately. He and Jimmy Garoppolo have had great chemistry together. And uh, here's the guy we used to worry about because he could never score a touchdown. And uh, Jacoby Myers has four touchdowns already, including one in each of his last two games. I will move Myers up in my rankings if we find out that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to start despite his back injury. But um, if he doesn't start, he is going to be playing with either Brian Hoyer or Aiden O'Connell, neither of whom has that same sort of established chemistry with Jacoby Myers that we have seen between Jimmy G and Jacoby. So, um, yeah, until we get that, like otherwise tied to a backup quarterback and sharing a field with Devontae Adams, who despite like the recent disappointment for Devontae Adams is still Devontae Adams. Like this guy is still a star. So, um, yeah, as, as the number two guy in the target pecking order, with a backup quarterback, I just wouldn't feel great about Jacoby Myers this week. I got to ask you either does, if it was Hoyer or Aiden O'Connell, does either one make you feel more comfortable versus the other? Or is it just like a full, like neither one of these guys move the needle at all for me? I hate to say it. I mean, like I like Aiden O'Connell and I, I think, you know, his performance in the preseason really pleasant surprise. But at this point, like if I'm an investor in either of the Raiders receivers, I think I'd rather see Brian Hoyer. Mm, very interesting there. Very interesting. I would do love you agree to with that. Pog? Yeah. What's your opinion on that? I do. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think um, especially since what we saw from Aidan O'Connell last time, which Kobe Myers didn't really work. Right. So uh, Jimmy G and him have the good connection. But I think that's something that Hoyer as a veteran recognizes a little better than Aidan O'Connell. You know, I don't think Aidan O'Connell's really paying attention to Jersey number. He's just throwing an open guy. You know what I mean? So um, I think that Myers gets open and that's why, yeah, I'm a little lower uh, uh, having him at 29. Um, I just don't trust that Jimmy G is going to play. Jimmy G gets hurt a lot. And look, this is Chicago. They should run the ball a lot against Chicago. So uh, I just don't know how much is in the cards for Jacoby Myers, even if Jimmy G is up. So that's why I'm, I got him at a wide receiver three, which I don't feel great about, but because he's been so good, but I don't think Jimmy's playing this week. So I got him at 29. You guys make very good points. You might have persuaded me a little bit here on that one. I was feeling a little bit more positively about Jacoby Myers. I think maybe as um, as the fantasy community, we want to push Aiden O'Connell forward a little bit more. Maybe we get a little bit carried away about what that means for his pass catchers as we're hoping that he can himself develop and get that opportunity. Moving on to the next one, and we want to pull out here in this top 30. George Pickens here. Now, this one is a good one because we've got the potential of Deontay Johnson, but George Pickens has been absolutely on fire, even in games where Kenny Pickett has been not so much fire. Pickens is still finding a way to get his. ECR has him at wide receiver 27. Both of you guys are feeling a lot more strongly about George Pickens this week. Pat, you've got him at wide receiver 16. Scott, you've got him at wide receiver 21. Scott, I'll start out with you. Um, you know, sell us here on the ascendance of George Pickens. Yeah, I mean, it's just, especially with Deontay out, you know, he may play in this game, he may not. We're not 100% sure on that. I would think that he's playing this game, but 
uh, we'll see yet to be confirmed. But Pickens has been him and Kenny Pickett have been on more of a role recently. And I think, you know, with the lack of scoring in Pittsburgh after the bye week, it should be get the ball in Pickens hands. They did it last week and it worked. So, um, you know, we saw the big play against Baltimore. We saw the big play against the Raiders. So I understand he is big play dependent and touchdown dependent. I understand that. But he's leaning less on that with the amount of targets that he's getting. And if the Rams do put up points, like Fitz seems to think is going to happen, doesn't like the Steelers' defense, I get it. But if the Rams put up points, Steelers are going to have to play point for point, which means more passing than they want to do. But that's going to be a lot of targets for Pickens. So I think there's multiple outs to him having a pretty solid week this week, which is why I have him as a solid wide receiver, too. Makes complete sense. Pat, you, you've got him high. Is this, you know, we talked about the Steelers defense and whatnot. Scott mentioned it there just a little. Um, <laughs> does, this, does this game have the potential to maybe score a little bit more points than people are expecting? Possibly. Um, we have a lot of low scoring games on the slate this week. A lot of games with Vegas totals of under 40. And uh, this one, uh, not much over 40, but at least a little bit. So it could be kind of a sneaky shootout game. Um, Bogman knows, as my co-host on the Fantasy Pros Dynasty podcast, that I have been a total windsock on George Pickens so far. <laughs> like I was high on him in his rookie year. I kind of cooled on him in the offseason. I, I worried a little bit about his um, chronically low target totals, his poor separation metrics, his lack of yardage after the catch. And then my then homerism started... seeped into you. And <laughs> it got did. You a little it bit. rubbed off. Yeah, you took I him ahead of me it. by one pick in a draft that we did together, by the way. Uh, I know which made me I know but (laughs) yeah I sort of I I did I had a change of heart towards the end of fantasy draft season and wound up taking him in a few leagues that was one league where I snake Bogman by one pick and another one where I'm like my only undefeated team right now has George Pickens helping me with that so I'm glad I did um the guy's really really good and I'm not that worried about his role being greatly diminished if Deontay Johnson does return this week from a hamstring injury as I, I think is expected like they've tentatively been talking about that happening. Um, I mean, the Rams have been surprisingly good against the pass so far, but this really is not a matchup I fear. So yeah, I'm I'm rolling with George Pickens and feeling great about it. If you haven't heard about Whatnot yet, allow me to introduce you to this incredible platform. Whatnot is the world's leading live shopping platform, often described as a unique blend of eBay and Twitch. Here's how it works. Streamers go live to conduct auctions where they sell a wide range of items, including sports cards, jerseys, sneakers, and much more. This week in the hobby of sports card collecting, the highly anticipated NFL product Flawless was released. It's been making waves in the hobby, with cards worth six figures or more being pulled on a daily basis. When on whatnot, you can invest in a player like Jalen Morin or in any player that you think will do well just by purchasing his card. You can snag a $10 discount on your first purchase by going to fantasypros.com slash whatnot and signing up. Don't miss out on this exciting opportunity. Again, sign up when you go to fantasypros.com slash whatnot to redeem your $10 discount. This link will also be in the description. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! 
and even checkouts not until four so because the american express platinum card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants elevated experiences at live events and 4 p.m late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through amex travel that's the powerful backing of american express see how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with amex terms apply one that people are also um, a little bit on the fence with is are we buying into Drake London? Drake London this week, matchup against Tampa Bay for Atlanta. Um, it's a little debatable how Tampa Bay is as a defense. Up and down sometimes, tough matchup, but ECR has him at wide receiver 28. Scott, you are right on with ECR at wide receiver 27. Pat, you are higher at wide receiver 20. I'll start off with you for that reason, Pat. Um, are you finally, I know we have all been stressed out and bothered by the Atlanta Falcons offense in general and the unpredictable nature of it, but we have been seeing this increase of pass volume here from Desmond Ritter. Are we trusting that this is going to continue this week? We should be trusting it. Tara. And um, I understand that a lot of people were horrified by the shutout of Drake London in week one, where he had one target. And I also understand that a lot of people are horrified by Arthur Smith's play calling, as am I for that matter. But since week two, Drake London has been averaging 8.4 targets a game. 5.2 receptions a game, 65.8 receiving yards a game, and he scored a couple of touchdowns. He is the wide receiver 19 since week two, and, or excuse me, wide receiver 19 in fantasy points per game, wide receiver 16 overall in total fantasy points. And the matchup is pretty good. The Buccaneers are sort of a, a pass funnel defense. They've given up the seventh most fantasy points to wide receivers. So, I think we should temporarily set aside our, our uh, disdain for Arthur Smith, trust in Drake London. And, um, you know, with the 16 bye week, I think a lot of people are going to be forced, um, not that they should feel forced, they should want to do it of their own free will, to play Drake London this week. Maybe there are some people on the fence if you're in a 10-team league or a 12-team league where you only have to start two receivers. But um, ECR of, of wide receiver 27, 28, that's just disrespectful. Like he should be with six teams on by, he's got to be inside the top 25. And I've got him just, you know, wide receiver 20. I'm all in. Pat, you're asking a lot of me to put aside my disdain for Arthur Smith. I just, <laughs> I don't know if I'm physically capable of it. <laughs> I feel like I represent the Un- fantasy. Understandable, Tara. Understandable. <laughs> <laughs> and Scott, you've got him at wide receiver to 27. So you're more on par with um, with ECR, but it's still a respectable wide. It's not that bad. It's still respectable in terms of where he's located. Um, talk to us about your thoughts around Drake London. Yeah, he's in a tier for me. And could he go to the top of the tier? Sure. I mean, I'm not like, uh, I don't aggressively feel that he is. I mean, he's obviously a very good wide receiver. And like Pat said, he's been good recently. But it's, you know, I have him behind like Christian Watson, who's going against Denver. Uh, Zay Flowers against a banged up Detroit secondary, I think is a decent matchup. Terry McLaurin against a bad giant secondary is a good matchup. Um, You know, with the running game down, I think Amari Cooper could have a good game against the Colts. So it's more about the guys in front of him that I like than me not liking Drake London. And then at the end of the day, the the game script for Atlanta every single game is run the ball and play strong defense. They're, you know, 
They only deviate when they have to. They should have to. I think Tampa Bay is the better team. They're coming off a bye week. They're rested. They should have to. But is it going to shift towards Drake London? Is it going to go to Pitts? Are they going to throw to Bijan in the backfield? I don't know on a week-to-week basis. They don't like to use these great weapons that they draft. So for me, it, it I can't get over my disdain of Arthur Smith. I can't do it for our fantasy purposes. He's a great real-life coach. He's bad for us in fantasy. So he made some bad decisions last week. I don't know if I should call him great, especially the the with the Atlanta fans uh, listening. They, they may disagree with me this week, but um, that's why I have him at the end of the tier. I could see starting him over a lot of those guys, and I understand if you would. He's a better touchdown threat than a lot of them. But at the end of the day, what they want to do every week is run the ball and play good defense. So for that, I have him at the end of my tier. Makes sense. I will say that it was funny. The camera kept uh cutting to Arthur Smith every single time something bad happened with Desmond Ritter and the look on his face was just <laughs> was like he eye just rolling played, yeah. Like, yeah like it wasn't even anger it was just like <sighs> oh very funny but you make an excellent point about their the players that are ahead of Drake London as well it's an interesting week where we've got some interesting matchups here so it makes things a little fuzzy in terms of our rankings um moving on we're gonna jump out of that uh top 30 right there and we're going to talk uh, about the B minus here with Gabe Davis Deontay Johnson and Cortland Sutton that is a pretty good tier there very interesting one we mentioned uh, Deontay Johnson potentially coming back here from that injury Gabe Davis that had been on a tear and Cortland Sutton in that Denver offense with um, the matchup with Green Bay the C plus tier here um, Curtis Samuel Josh Palmer Jerry Duty, Michael Thomas, Rasheed Rice, and Romeo Dubs. This is a very interesting tier here. And we'll kind of pause on this tier for a second and start right up at the top and talk about uh, Curtis Samuel here, who is a funny one because people, from what I've seen, just don't want to buy into Curtis Samuel. It is amazing how after the multiple high performances, the man was still low rostered, available, readily on waivers for people, just not wanting to believe it, wanting to ignore it. So no, Jahan Dotson, he's going to turn around. Nope, Curtis Samuel, he's here. And he's at wide receiver 36 on ECR. Pat, you've got him at wide receiver 39. Uh, Scott, you've got him at wide receiver 37. Y'all are right around that. Not too far off here. Um, you know, Pat, talk to us about Curtis Samuel here and the role that he has within this Washington offense. Yeah, it's interesting, Terry. You mentioned um, like maybe not a lot of respect for Curtis Samuel in the consensus rankings. I actually do think that if he's being ranked ahead of Josh Palmer, like that's a surprising show of respect to me because I'd, I'd much rather play Josh Palmer this week personally in a, a shootout game against the Chiefs. Um, yeah, not a lot of difference of opinion here in the, um, you know, between Bogman and ECR and I, we're all like within three spots, but I don't think Samuel is really a guy you feel great about starting if there are no teams on by. Um, but in a 16 bye week, suddenly he gets a little more playable, a little more attractive. He's averaging four and a half catches and 47.5 receiving yards per game and gets the occasional carry. Um, what's interesting is he has had between 32 and 65 scrimmage yards every game this season. So there's a pretty high floor, but a pretty low ceiling. Um, like you don't like the ceiling that low. I think when you have 32 teams in action in a given week, but when it's only 26 teams, maybe that high floor is a little more appealing. Scott, how about you? 
I'm with Fitz here on Palmer, especially because like Palmer also had a touchdown and four other catches wiped away because of penalties on Monday night football. So Palmer is being targeted heavily uh, for the chargers. So I am definitely in on him with Curtis Samuel. To me, it's all about his touchdown dependency, right? Like that. That's why I have him as a wide receiver four instead of a wide receiver three. He's a top wide receiver four because they're, they're getting him the ball in the end zone. He scored three straight weeks in a row. But if you take those touchdowns away every week, he's under 10 points uh, on half PPR. So he was 10, 15 and 25. The first three weeks, he was 39, 73, 58. Um, a lot of teams on by. He is getting uh, he is getting looks. He's getting hot. But I do think at some point the Jahan Dotson shoe is going to drop here. And uh, I think Dotson is too talented to keep dropping footballs and not getting looks. Now, you know. I've been wrong in the past, but I wasn't the only one hyping up Jahan Dotson this offseason. And I'm not even as heavily invested as a lot of people are. So I do think Dotson is going to um, regain a role at some point when Sam Howell starts looking at him. And also Sam Howell, I I coined this phrase on Fantasy Pros this year. uh, Jekyll and Howell is what we have from him on a week to week basis. You never know what you're going to get from that guy either. So um, that's why I'm. You know, we're right. I I think maybe he's being disrespected for what he's done the last three weeks. But in terms of what I expect from the other guys and what I expect from Samuel, I think he's properly ranked. Yeah, you know, it's 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 funny you uh, mentioned the Jahan Dotson. I won't lie. I was definitely one of those people hyping up Jahan Dotson. It's and it's crazy because it's not as if he's playing behind anyone. He is right up there. He is on the field constantly. I didn't look at the snaps from. Yeah, I didn't look at last week. But prior to that, I knew that he had the most snaps of anybody in that receiving core. McLaurin had more than him last the last uh, three weeks. But before that, it was him. Um, and we're not talking about major. He's still playing uh, way over Curtis Samuel, uh, 56 to 49 uh, two weeks ago and 41 to 32 last week in Dotson's favor. He's just not getting the targets. This offense feels very Kansas City to me, just missing Patrick Mahomes. Sorry, Sam Howell. I like you. Um, <laughs> they are spreading the ball around quite a bit in a way that is very, it seems like Eric Manami said, okay, we're going to do the same thing, which is cool. But from a fantasy perspective, it drives us crazy because um, you've also got Rasheed Rice in Kansas City in that tier as well. So maybe that's a Kansas City, Andy Reid, Eric Manami thing, a C-tier receivers uh, list for them. <laughs> moving on to moving on to the C-tier, the C-plus tier, the C-tier, Josh Downs, KJ Osborne. Wandell Robinson, Josh Reynolds, Rashid Shahid, Tutu Atwell, Jackson Smith and Jibba, Kendrick Bourne. This is quite the tier here of people who could, in theory, give us a little something. But it, do we trust them? Is it, like, you guys, is there any particular player in here that you feel slightly more comfortable with? I'll start with you, Scott. I, I, I kind of like what we've seen from Kendrick Bourne, at least last week. I know Juju was down. Uh, Gasicki hasn't been getting a lot. But the 11 targets, I mean, the 10 receptions for 89 yards is kind of sad. You know, I think when you see 10 receptions, you're thinking at least 100 yards, hopefully a score as well. We didn't get that from him. So I like him a little more than I would normally. So I'll call him out a little bit here. But I also, you know, this tier is a, a bunch of guys that like like Josh Downs, low snap percentage, but uh, good connection with Minshew. KJ Osborne, bad receiver, but tons of targets and they pass a lot. 
Wondell Robinson, tons of targets. Shahid is a big play guy. Tutu Atwell's on the field a lot. JSN is the most talented of this tier by, I, I would say, a wide margin. But he doesn't get on the field as much. So this is, I would call it the weird tier. You never know what you're going to get from these guys on a week-to-week basis. I would say I kind of like Osborne just for the volume. How about you, Pat? Same here. Osborne out of necessity to that offense with no Justin Jefferson. Uh, although Josh Reynolds has had some sneaky value, I think. Like as a, a guy who, yes, Amon Ross St. Brown is going to lead that team in targets probably, you know, nine out of ten weeks. But um, Reynolds has been the number two. It hasn't been Jamison Williams. There hasn't been like an appreciable uptick in Jamison Williams snaps. Uh, yes, he's capable of of big plays, as we saw last week, but it's still Reynolds like as the number two Marvin Jones, like pretty much pretty much done. Um, so like I, I think you can play Reynolds in a week like this. Moving on to the C minus tier, we've got Jahan Dotson. We talked about him a little bit earlier. Jaden Reed, Elijah Moore, Michael Wilson, Rondell Moore, Jamison Williams, Kadarius Tony. And Darius Slayton, uh, we just talked about Josh Reynolds. We see one tear down his uh, teammate here, Jamison Williams, coming off of that, I say big game, not a big game in terms of volume again, but got that touchdown. He showed exactly why we're looking forward to what could potentially be there with him as the big play had a 45 yard touchdown there. Um, you know, Jamison Williams here. Do you, how do you guys see him progressing? Um, at this point, do you have a level of trust in him? Pat, I'll start with you. I don't just because of the low snaps, low targets. Um, I do think, well, a lot of people are probably going to be forced to put Jamison Williams in their lineups this week. I would feel better about it if I were going into my game as a heavy underdog and needed to land a haymaker or two against my opponent to win the game because Jamison Williams can hit you with a haymaker. And and we saw it last week with a, a long touchdown of around 50 yards. Um, but he can also uh, throw up like one catch for eight yards and, and that's it. So um, if like if I'm going in as a favorite, that's kind of not the guy I want to play. That's a really good point about strategy and when you're looking at these players and what you need to bring to your lineup and that being the pick and choose there. Because in this tier, that is definitely the guy with the big play upside. I mean, Kadarius Tony has it in theory, but it just doesn't really actually appear. Um, But yeah, when you're looking across this tier, he's definitely the one who gives you that potential pop. Um, Scott, what are are your thoughts around Jamison Williams? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I love him. I just wish Ben Johnson did right. Uh, 16 snaps last week, 23% snap share is just not going to get it done most weeks. So until the snap percentage goes up for him, I am literally on starting him. I'd rather start, you know, Michael Wilson's out there on 88% and the Cardinals are going to be losing most of their games. Uh, So I like him. Rondell Moore, lower snap percentage. I'm not as high on him. Dotson, who we talked about, has a high uh, snap percentage, but hasn't gotten the ball. So I feel a little bit better about him and Kadarius Tony. Let's give me the wide receiver in, in the best offense in this tier. And that is who Kadarius Tony is. So that is the guy that I like out of this group. I love Jamison Williams, but they're just not giving him the runway uh, to get us points on a consistent basis. Like you guys said, maybe he gets a big bomb, but also one for eight, like Pit, uh, Fitzy said, is definitely within the realm of possibility. And I don't like that. Very true. Moving on to the D plus tier, we've got Quentin Johnson and Odo Beckham Jr. in the D tier, rounding things out. 
with Skymore, Darnell Mooney, Marvin Mims, Nelson Aguilar, Devontae Parker, Jalen Hyatt, Rashad Bateman, and Brandon Powell. This is, it's one of these weeks, guys. These are, you see why we pulled our discussion from some of the top, or more of the top tier guys, like in that wide receiver 25 to 35 range, because that's the range where we can find those sweet spots that can help us win. And once you get down here, it gets more difficult, um, just with all these injuries in the bye weeks, but, 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 is there anyone in this tier, uh, then we'll combine like the D plus and D tier here, because D plus is a little small. Is there anyone here that you feel like you can maybe pull out and grab if you're in a deep league and you're struggling is there one guy here that you could pull out and have some hope and prayer with pat i'll start with you oh man i mean i know people are really down on quentin johnston after that um monday night performance against the cowboys barely any targets and you know his second i think target one of two uh gets picked off for the game clinching interception for the the Cowboys. So I know people are down on him, but the dude is really talented. Anyone who watched him in college knows that. And um, he's had some issues with hands, but I, I, with the the caliber of the Chargers passing game and Quentin's talent, I eventually think he is going to pop. And then um, speaking of rookies, Jalen Hyatt is starting to get a little more run for the Giants. I, I know Boggs is excited about that. He's a Jalen Hyatt enthusiast. And um, why not? Cause like, there's nothing other than Saquon Barkley, what else is there in that Giants offense to hang on to? Darren Waller has been a disappointment. No one else is making plays in the wide receiver core. Let Jalen Hyatt see if he can take the top off of defenses and maybe make some something happen downfield. Very good point. Scott, how about you? Yeah, Jalen Hyatt is my guy here. Uh, Fitz knows me uh, just too well. I mean, last week, finally got the snaps, a 73% snap share. Uh, percentage 56 snaps, which is uh, by far the most that he's had in his uh, young career so far. The problem is, is that, you know, we're not getting we're not getting a lot of time to throw for, you know, Dan, Danny Dimes or for um, yeah, Ty, Tyrod Taylor. It doesn't matter. This O-line is so bad. He's not getting the necessary amount of Mississippis to throw the ball downfield to Jalen Hyatt. He's getting two Utahs before he has to throw the ball deep. So <laughs> let's get him on a screen pass. Let's put him on a wide receiver reverse. The guy has so much juice and so much speed. I think they got to figure out a way to get the ball in his hand. So that is my guy. Like Fitz said, he called me out and he is 100% correct. That's my dude here. You know, so I want him to get something, but he's a scary start because he just hasn't done much yet. Um, but out of this group, you know, Quentin Johnston is not getting that snap percentage. They throw the ball more, but he's not getting that percentage and he keeps dropping the football. Marvin Mims doesn't get on the field. They don't throw the ball in Chicago. Uh, Devonte Parker is boomer best and Rashad Bateman sucks. So, uh, give me Jalen Hyatt on a wing and a prayer. You're right. This is the tier of people who are in an offense that doesn't really throw. So they have no <laughs> hope and prayer. Uh, well, a little bit of hope and prayer. I won't be super negative on that. We're going to move <laughs> on to a uh, who would you rather segment. Jordan Addison or Michael Thomas. That is our first who would you rather. Jordan Addison or Michael Thomas. Pat, I will start off with you. All right, I'm going with uh, Jordan Addison here, despite the disappointing game last week against the Bears in a seemingly easy matchup. Um, only three catches for 28 yards. We expected more targets, more catches. Uh, he did have the touchdown deodorant to save his day, 
but still really disappointing. Um, Michael Thomas, we talked about Curtis Samuel being a high floor, low ceiling guy. Michael Thomas has had between 45 and 65 receiving yards in every game this season. Six games between 45 and 65. He is the wide receiver for Metronome. Like he's <laughs> every week um, between six and nine targets every game, four to seven catches every game. So you know what you're getting. I'd rather aim high with uh, Jordan Addison and, you know, suboptimal matchup against the 49ers, but a higher ceiling. Yeah, I, I I agree. Well, I'll, let me before I agree. I'll let Scott you you tell me is it Addison or Michael Thomas for you? No, I think it's Addison. I also agree w- with Fitzy here. And you know, you look at Addison's weeks. Uh, he has finished as a wide receiver two, three times. Uh, week one, week two, and uh, week five. Uh, he did have the donut, which was terrible, of course. And uh, the games, you know, uh, week three, he didn't score and he had eight points last week. He scored and just had barely over 10. It wasn't a great week, but I kind of like both these guys this week. You know, Jacksonville is a very good run defense. So I do think New Orleans is going to have to pass. Olave is a little questionable. I think he's going to play and be fine. But uh, Thomas has a nice floor. So. Um, I don't mind either one of these guys, but I'm with Fitzy. You know, let's take the touchdown upside with Jordan Addison and the fact that this offense is a pass first and they're going to throw 50 times. It seems most games. I think that also helps Addison. So I'll, I'll roll with him. It is Addison for me as well. I think sometimes with Addison, it just depends on how how you look at him. You could look at this and say, man, he's touchdown dependent. Or you could look at it and say, I've got a rookie that has scored four touchdowns over the first six games. That's crazy. Why would I not roll him out? It just depends on how you put a little bow on it. I want to put a positive bow on it. Our next who would you rather question is Josh Downs versus Rasheed Rice. This one is, this one is interesting. Josh Downs versus Rasheed Rice. Uh, Scott, which way do you lean? Give me Rasheed Rice. He has been used. I mean, it started off kind of exclusively near the goal line, right? And he was touchdown dependent. But last week he got uh, touches and snaps all over the field. He had that big catch in the middle of the field too. the Chargers secondary is bad. Josh Downs, lower snap percentage, better uh, combination with Gardner Minshew. But Cleveland uh, defense is a tough matchup. So I'm going to go with Rasheed Rice uh, slightly here. Pat, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I got to go with Rice, too. Josh Downs does have some low-level appeal in PPR leagues, but it's basically empty PPR calories with Joshua Downs. Just like um, low average depth of target, not a lot of big plays. Um, Rice has an attractive matchup against the Chargers in what should be a shootout. I mean, we've talked about how low some of the Vegas totals are on the board this week. Chiefs Chargers is over 50, so that's a game I think we want to uh, tap into if we can. And although Kansas City's receiver by committee approach has been really, really frustrating so far with like no one getting more than about 65% of the snaps, maybe that changes a little bit now that um, Justin Watson is going to be out a little bit uh, with a dislocated elbow. You got to think these guys are making some separation for themselves too among the coaching staff, right? I mean, they do keep moving them, but I feel like it's going to break some way. Yeah. And, and Patrick Mahomes does have a much higher passer rating on throws to Rasheed Rice than any other receiver in this offense. So really, it should be Rice number two in the pecking order behind Travis Kelsey. Let's hope that's the case. I'd take Rice over Downs. 
Yeah, I hope that's the case. I think that's the way that it's going to lean. I could be inclined. I like Josh Downs very much. I could be inclined to go Josh Downs if it was a different matchup, but the matchup right there is what really pushes me away from him, unfortunately, and right into the arms of Rasheed Rice. We're going to do one more uh, one more game here. We're going to do uh, Scott and Pat. I'm going to give you three players that fall into the flex zone, and then you're going to tell us how you would order these three players. Scott, we will start off with you. The first group is Najee Harris, Wandale Robinson, and Evan Ingram. Flex appeal. I love this. Uh, all right. So I will go Najee number one. Uh, I just think that you're going to get more hacks at the tree with the axe with Najee, right? Like he may look like he's running in jeans, like I've gotten text and tweets about and all that <laughs> stuff, but he's going to have 15 touches or somewhere in the neighborhood of that. And neither Ingram or Robinson are going to come anywhere close to that. And he's also a goal line back. So uh, let's go Najee number one with a bullet by a lot. Uh, then between Robinson and Ingram, I got to go with Ingram too. I don't like it. It's been different wide receivers doing it. And we saw Brenton strange score the touchdown last week. Zay Jones is out again though. So Ingram, uh, a little bit higher up on the Thursday night game. And I like Wandale and they want to get the ball in his hands, but it just hasn't been working for the giants at all. So he's third also. So Najee, uh, a lot of room than Ingram, than Wandale. <laughs> Pat, how about you? Boggs, did Najee at least look like he's running in dry jeans and not wet jeans? Yeah, dry <laughs> jeans. Big difference. I, I would say. Okay. Yeah. Or maybe right. jorts recently. You know. <laughs> Just want to nice. clarify that. Um, I I guess I'm gonna go with Najee here. Um, yeah, I mean it's a reluctant endorsement, but he he should still get a dozen or more touches. Um Wandale, no interest in Wandale, more of the the low low nutritional PPR calories <laughs> at best. And I just hate the giants offense. Um, and Ingram is a really tough matchup against the saints who are usually really, really tough on tight ends. I agree with you guys, although I kind of feel like maybe it could be a little bit closer between Ingram and Najee. If, depending on if there's any struggle with getting the ball downfield and maybe Evan Ingram just pops a little bit more. Maybe that can be he one of those score. games here. Yeah. I think that's finally get the touchdown. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on to this next one here. It is Deonta Foreman, Michael Wilson and Rashid Shahid. Pat, I'm going to start off with you. How do you rank these? I'm going to go with Shahid first, Foreman second and Michael Wilson third. Maybe eventually Michael Wilson will um, ascend in the playability uh, scale a little bit. If Kyler Murray is activated soon and, and he was just designated to be activated from so reserve so um yeah so yeah I, I like this matchup for shahid against the jaguars jacksonville really is a pass funnel defense like they are good against the run not so great against the pass they've allowed the ninth most passing uh ninth most fantasy points per game to wide receivers now this does assume that roshan johnson is going to be back from his concussion if he's not back then then i think we have to push up foreman um didn't really pop last week even though he was the lead running back although there was one play where i think he took it down to the one got tackled and then uh tyson bajant plowed it in from the one yard line on the very next play so that was a little disappointing if you started foreman last week um, you didn't start agent fits he, I did not start <laughs> he wasn't on no. your ra radar no, no. And I'm, oh. I'm not really eager to you justify didn't have him or, for any time touchdown no yeah 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 not not really eager to start agent this Plus week 6, so anyway 
Yeah, it's it's Shahid Foreman Wilson for me. How is this one being ranked for you, Scott? Yeah, it's the same way and and with the same caveat as Fitz. You know, I think Roshan, who hasn't cleared as we're recording this concussion protocol, but I think he's going to clear. Vegas is a great matchup. And what we saw from the run game in Chicago last week, to me, means Roshan is going to get a lot of touches and Foreman, not so many. He's not a guy they want to play. I mean, they made him inactive week two, so uh, not a shock there. So yeah, for me, it's going to be Shahid. We're waiting on the big play there. It's going to be three or four catches. You open them and it's big and for a score for Shahid. Mike, um, Michael Wilson is on the field a lot. We talked about it before. The Cardinals should be losing, but Dobbs looks bad right now. So it's hard really to depend on any receiver in Arizona or any player in Arizona, really. Um, so I don't want to do it. Uh, so I'll put him last. So it'll go Shahid. Foreman and then Michael Wilson. Um, hopefully you don't have to pick out of this group though. <laughs> yeah, I um, I am slightly different than you guys. And again, it is assuming that Roshan clears concussion protocol. And that said, coming off a concussion, I would assume that he could get that full workload. Dante Foreman didn't really do anything to showcase that he deserved any of that workload last week, unfortunately. So it's definitely Rashid Shahid for me. And then I'll lean towards going with Michael Wilson over Dante Foreman, assuming that Roshan is back and is getting that full workload in the good matchup. Um, and by the way, guys, make sure that you are using the who should I start tool in my playbook. Um, it's great for tough decisions and a full breakdown of everything that you need to know. Perfect for these kind of flex questions where it's a difficult decision. It can help you out a ton. All right, that wraps things up for our wide receiver rankings. If you have any questions about lineups or trades, remember that we are live each and every Thursday on YouTube at 3 p.m. EST, 12 p.m. BST, taking your questions. And if you want to see more advice from Pat, check out his rankings. Just go to fantasypros.com slash fits. You can find Scott at Bogman Sports. You can find Pat at Fitz underscore FF. And you can find me at It's Tara Time. For Pat Fitzmorris, for Scott Bogman, I'm Tara Roberts. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Pros Fantasy Football Podcast. Follow us on X, Instagram, and TikTok at Fantasy Pros, and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasy pros. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary.